You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. You're listening to episode 190 of the Merged Marketing Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the art of SEO, proven strategies for boosting sales and leads. My guest on today's episode is Brandon Leibowitz. Brandon runs and operates SEO optimizers. It's a digital marketing company that focuses on helping small and medium-sized businesses get more online traffic. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about backlinking and some of those other strategies and tactics that you can use for your business to get more visibility on your website. He teaches us how to ethically hack your competitor's Google SEO traffic. We're going to dive into that and more in this episode. Without further ado, let's kick them a chat with Brandon Leibowitz. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. So let's break into how you broke into the SEO industry in the first place. I wasn't planning on it. Got my degree in business marketing after I graduated college. And first job I got at school is helping the company out with their digital marketing. I didn't really know much about digital. They said, don't worry. We don't know either. We're going to like learn with you and take you to classes and workshops and seminars and did that for a few months. And after working there for a few months, just kind of realized this digital thing is probably the future. Everyone's probably going to have a website. This was back in 2007. And there's a lot of different ways to get traffic. I was helping out with social media, doing paid ads, doing email marketing, doing SEO, writing product descriptions, kind of doing it all. And just realized like everything works to get traffic, but SEO is just a way to get free traffic. And over the years, I worked at different advertising agencies as a director of SEO. And before work, after work, on my lunch breaks, I'd work in my own company and built that up to where I was able to eventually quit my job and focus solely on this and been doing that ever since. Nice. Who, who was your first ever client? Do you recall? The first few, one of them was like a Medicare supplement plan because I remember I bartered with them. They built me a website because I had no idea how to build websites back then. It was like Dreamweaver and custom coded, or it was like all coding. There was no WordPress or Shopify or Wix. So they built me a website. I helped out with their SEO and was able to rank them for pretty much every keyword. Like I ranked them above the government for Medicare supplement plans for a while. I mean, things have changed now with like Google algorithm, more focused on EEAT, which is like expertise, experience, authoritativeness, and trust. They probably want to rank the government first, but back then it was a whole different game. And that was probably one of my first clients. And yeah, just kept on from there ever since they built me a website. I was like, all right, now that I got a website, I can use this as like a portfolio and a resume and start optimizing my own website to start getting more traffic. And that's what really got me going. Let's talk about the Google algorithm for a second and what you just mentioned there, Brandon, E-A-T. Explain a bit further what that is for our listeners that don't know. So Google doesn't trust anybody and they don't believe anything you put on a website because too many people have tricked them, game the system over the years that nowadays, I mean, it's pretty easy to build a website on like WordPress and say, I'm a doctor in Los Angeles. And Google's like, all right, are you really a doctor in Los Angeles? Because we don't want to just rank your website and then find out you don't exist or you're scammy people. There's a lot of weird stuff that could go on. So they want you to build up trust to let Google know that you really are who you say you are. And the way to build trust is by getting what are called backlinks, getting other websites to talk about you is a big part of Google's algorithm. Backlink is a clickable link for another website that points to yours. So let's say, for example, you're reading an article on WebMD and it mentions my name and you click on it and it goes to my website, then I'd be getting a backlink from WebMD. So if you're a doctor, you want sites related to health, wellness, things like that to link out to you. But E-E-A-T is expertise, 
experience, authoritativeness, authoritativeness, and trust. So Google wants to know that you're an expert, you have experience, you're authoritative in your industry, and you're trustworthy. And this really was more for like health and where you're like investing in like health and money and finance kind of niches where Google's like, we don't want just anybody writing content. We want to make sure that you really know what you're talking about. Nowadays, it's pretty much for every website, the EEAT, but initially started off with like health, wellness, money, kind of financial stuff like that, where Google really has to scrutinize to make sure, are you really knowledgeable? Because they don't want to put fake information or misinformation out, especially what happened, like the pandemic and everything. They're like, all right, got to figure out what's real, what's not real. And that's how they try to decipher it. How does the algorithm decipher the content now with the amount of volume that's being peppered into Google now through blogs, courtesy of the ease of blog posting via chat GPT? Google said a few months ago, that, well, in the past, they didn't want AI or content written by bots or artificially written. They want people to write content. A few months ago, like, like six months ago, early in 2023, they said, we don't care who writes it as long as it offers value. So if you're just copying verbatim from chat GPT, it's probably not going to be the best. It's a good guideline, a good starting point, but you can't copy it verbatim now. Maybe in a few years you can once it gets, it learns more and it's more accurate. But right now it's not 100% accurate. You don't want to put out misinformation. The main thing is providing value to the reader. That's what Google wants. So as long as you offer value, then you can pop out as much content as you want. But just remember, just pumping it out and not reading it and not editing it, it's probably not going to be the best. It's not going to offer too much value. And it's, yeah, I mean, Google also has a crawl allotment that they're allowed per site. So if you're a small site that's just starting off and you're putting out 100 articles every single day, Google's probably not going to find all those articles because mm. just too much content for them. It's, they don't trust you enough. Like, if you're like the latimes.com, then Google knows, okay, you're putting out hundreds of articles a day. We're going to find all those. But if you're a small or a brand new site, Google's not going to trust you in that way. And they're not going to want to just pump out, rank all that content. So got to build that trust up along with that content. You can't just do one. How are you specifically using AI in, in your SEO content creation? How specifically are you relying on AI content? Obviously not to verbatim write blog content, but... In what capacity are you using it? I'm trying not to use it too much, but I have a lot of writers and I found out a couple of my writers as paying to write content. We're actually using chat GPT. So mm. that's where like right now I'm not going to use it. I'd say like, it's fine if you want like use it as an outline, as a guiding point to start off, but if you're just using it and copying it. That's not going to fly, but there are other things you could use it for like coding. So schema.org is a programming language that Google, Bing, Yahoo, created like 10 years ago. It's a way to mark up your website. So you can actually tell ChatGPT, create schema code for my business and I'll write that schema code out. Again, it's not 100% accurate. So there's tools like the Google or schema validator that will validate and make sure it's accurate. Because when I'm doing it, like I'd say 50% of the time it works, 50% of the time it doesn't work, but 50% of the time that works is great because I don't know coding. I know like basic HTML from when I had my friend build me that dream for website. But other than that, you don't really need to know coding and ChatGPT will do that for you, which is interesting, a little weird, a little scary that it could code, but that is something that really helps save a lot of time. And I would tell people, I always recommend incorporating schema into your website, but there's that learning curve. Like you have to learn coding or learn schema. There's generators that will do it for you. But now ChatGPT will pretty much do it. You could just say, Go to ChatGPT and say, write me schema for my website. And you can just put your website URL and say, write me, if you're a local business, write me local business schema. Or if you're selling products, e-commerce website, you could say, write me e-commerce shopping schema for the shopping. Or if you're a realtor, you could say, write me 
schema for real estate for property listings. And what that does is enhances your listing. So sometimes when you search in Google, you'll see like stars or you'll see like images or you'll see like the price right there of a product. All that is pulled through schema. So normally Google just shows your website, the title and meta description, but schema will enhance it and just really increases click-through rate. Obviously in SEO over the last decade, there have been so many changes. So many of the tactics that you've deployed over the years have changed and you always got to be nimble. You got to be on your toes for the upcoming changes. Maybe talk about some of the biggest changes that have have had an impact on your direct business over the course of the last, say, half decade. The biggest will be, well, content. Google always wants good quality content and it has to be original content. Can't copy it from one page to another. So that's a big thing is making sure you have original content that offers value. But the biggest change, Google's constantly changing, but the biggest one that they're constantly updating is the backlinks is how they trust you because Google's whole algorithm started based off backlinks. It's still heavily based off backlinks to this day, but it's changed a lot how they look at these backlinks. Whereas in the past, the more backlinks you had, the higher you'd rank. If I have 100 backlinks and you had 200 backlinks, you would rank higher than me. But now it's not the number of backlinks, it's the number of quality backlinks. And what is a quality backlink to Google? A quality backlink is from a website that's related to what you're doing. That's very important. So if we go back to like the doctor example, they need websites related to like health, wellness. They don't want like a mechanic or some real estate agent to link out to them. That looks really strange. So the more related it is to you, the better. It doesn't have to be exactly what you're doing, just somewhat related. And authoritativeness. How popular is this website? The bigger the website is, the more SEO value it's going to be passed on. So I give you a backlink from my website. It's good, but it's not the same as like a Forbes or Wall Street Journal. So the bigger the website, the more SEO value and the more relevant it is to your industry, the better off it's going to be. So how do you collect your database of backlinks? Do you have a Rolodex of backlinks that you use for certain clients in certain situations? Do you do that cold outreach? How does that process work for you? A little bit of both. So do the cold outreach to find people or find blogs and websites that are relevant. And then I'll add them to my Rolodex and keep a list of all of them. But what happens is, I mean, I've been doing it since 2007. So someone that was blogging in 2013 might not still have that website or be active on it. So I still have to do the cold outreach for any new clients I work with, but try to go into the existing ones I built those relationships with first, since I know these sites are relevant, trustworthy, authoritativeness. That's because I've already vetted them versus a new one where it's got to do a lot of cold outreach and it's tedious and it takes a lot of time and it's not as effective as it used to be. I read this on on your website is that you have a means of ethically hacking, quote unquote, your competitor's Google SEO traffic. Can you touch a bit about, on that and how you go about that? Yeah, that's really looking at their backlinks. So the way you tap into your competitor's traffic is by looking at what backlinks do they have. There's tools that will show you any website's backlinks, you have to pay for them. But the more popular ones would be like Ahrefs or Moz or SEMrush or some of the more popular tools that pretty much you could go search on Google for your keywords and look at who's ranked on that first page of Google for your keywords. These are your competitors. Even if, it not, even if it's not relevant, like you might be a restaurant and you see that Yelp is ranking, you're like, Yelp is not a restaurant. They're not my competitor. But if they rank on that first page of Google for your keywords, they technically are your competitor online. Offline is different. So online, well, I see who ranks for your keywords. Throw them into these different tools and then one by one and start looking at all their backlinks and find the ones that are relevant and authoritative. You don't want to just go after any backlink because in the past that was how we do it. But now it's all about quality. So looking for those relevant and authoritative sites and figuring out what did they do? Did they write an article? Did they sponsor an event? Did they get listed on, like, on a local directory like Yelp or maybe they're on the local chamber of commerce or they joined the BBB or they did a press release or they did a podcast or Whatever it may be, but you can pretty much reverse engineer their entire strategy 
and see what's working for them and then incorporate what's working into your own website and skip the ones that are irrelevant and don't make sense. Yeah, that's very interesting in terms of leveraging those backlinks to your advantage. I think I don't think a lot of business owners out there understand that just because they're not a direct competitor could still mean they're a competitor in the SEO space. Yeah, it's whoever's on that first page of Google. If Wikipedia is ranked there and just like Wikipedia has nothing to do with what I'm doing, but if they're there, they technically are your online competition, not so- offline. Will there be cases that you might see and you might recommend, hey, the, hey, client X, this is maybe not the best keyword for us to go after. So don't be so fixated on this keyword. Do you have that conversation quite a bit? Yeah, all the time. And especially like, well, if something's really generic and just broad, it's tough. Like if you're just selling like tennis shoes or like women's tennis shoes, it's going to be really tough. So it's like finding something niche, like maybe like children's tennis shoes for top, like specific style, like literally mm-hmm. sparkle or whatever it is. But something to differentiate yourself because if you just go after these really generic broad terms you're having some big competitors some big corporate websites and if you're just a small or medium-sized business eventually you could try to rank there but it's going to take you a long time whereas if you find something more niche that's going to get you a little bit more related to what you're doing and not as competitive and that's going to help you just get up there much quicker who's doing your social media is anybody doing your social media why aren't we doing your social media since 2016 My agency has been managing communities, creating content, and managing our clients' social media platforms to keep them top of mind with their customers along with their prospects. Social media is probably somewhere on your priority list as a busy business owner, but it's never going to be near the top. For us at Merged Media, we ensure your social media is at the top of our list, making sure you're staying top of mind with those clients and prospects. If you want a creative and professional agency working on your social media, then go on over to merged.ca and book a call today. That's M-E-R-G-E-D.ca. Let's switch gears for a second and talk about some of the uh, items on a website that can help a user convert, conversion rate optimization, essentially, because it's great gathering traffic from Google, getting high volume of traffic, but it's only good if it converts. What are some of the big needle movers you're seeing in 2023 with regards to on-site conversions? Speed is always a big thing, making sure your website loads quickly. But the big thing is, and it's been big for a while, is mobile. Is making sure your website looks good on mobile devices. Ever since 2013, Google realized like mobile and desktop are very different. And if you don't have a mobile-friendly website, they're not going to show them on mobile results. But it's for a reason, because people don't want to see a small website where they have to zoom in and it's really hard to read. You have to make sure that your website looks good on mobile. Maybe you should cut your website down and don't add as much content or text on your mobile version as you do on your desktop because screens are much, much smaller. But big things are really just making sure that everything's above the fold. So whenever you look at a screen, whatever you look on the screen is called above the fold. Once you start scrolling down on the website, that's below the fold. So whatever you see on a desktop or mobile version, most people don't scroll down. They just see what they see on that screen. If they don't see what they're looking for, they're gonna hit that back button. So you have to make sure all your really printed information is up there. like a value proposition, like people know what's in it for me from using your product or service really needs to be at the top. Then maybe a couple bullet points or a video or something where it's easy to read, not just a bunch of text or not just one big hero image where it's a giant image or slider. Those are okay, but it doesn't really convey much. It's really have to understand like that real estate is invaluable, especially above the fold that most people are not going to scroll down, which is really weird. So just having it really concise, minimal, 
having a call to action above the fold. So if you're e-commerce website, having that buy now or add to cart button right there, or if you're a service-based business, having like a form right there that fill out or an email address or phone number or wherever that conversion goal is, but making sure that's above the fold and that really just helps out a lot. What are some of those big mistakes that businesses are making with their websites in 2023? Mm, there's a lot of mistakes that people are making. I would say one big one is ever since I've been doing marketing is people just build websites to make them look nice, but they don't really think about what we just talked about. Conversion rate optimization is building website optimized for conversions and for mobile, but really optimized for conversions because you have a nice looking website, but if that form is really low down or that add to the cart button is hard to find, it's not going to work. So you got to really understand and just take a step back and think if you were looking for your product or service, what type of website would you want to see? You could A, B test it. So you could send half your traffic to one version of your website and half of your traffic to another version. And you could see what converts better, which is something like Amazon does pretty much all the time. Like if we both went to Amazon right now, it's going to be slightly different where it's not going to be a big difference, but maybe the add to cart button is moved up a millimeter, something really tiny, or the add to cart button color is off by a little pixel, a little darker. And it's going to see, does this increase conversions or decrease conversions? Because there really is no perfect website. There's always room to test. And then once you see something works, test against that and keep on testing and never stop testing. Because the more you test, the more you're going to be able to optimize that website and really capture as much traffic and get them to convert. Yeah, I think the Google Core Vitals update last year, it had a significant impact on a lot of websites, especially those that had intrusive pop-ups and mm -hmm. things like that. Did you find a, a big decrease in traffic from sites that had those intrusive pop-ups and things like that on the website? Definitely on mobile. You don't want to have a pop-up at all on mobile because the screen is just so tiny. But desktop, I haven't seen too big of an impact. I would say just don't have Think again, like if you're going to a website and a pop-up appears in the first 10 seconds, that's way too soon. Like you need time to get to the website, read it, understand, do I even want to learn more about this business? So I would say have a pop-up after like 30 seconds or the best are really the exit intent where they're about to close the browser, then the pop-up appears. So you're not hitting them too soon. You're not being obtrusive and do it on desktop only, not mobile because mm. just... No, mobile is too tiny. The screens are too small and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's, a, that's an excellent point. I know a lot of people want to increase their newsletter subscribers, but there are better ways of doing that. And doing it through an intrusive pop-up is not only going to probably have a really low conversion rate, but it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's not going to be enhancing that user experience, which is what Google wants to see. No, it's going to do the work opposite and kind of deter people. Sometimes pop-ups work, but... They don't work as well as they used to. You have to offer value. That's the big thing is like, you just say, subscribe to my newsletter, not going to work. So what I do like for myself is I offer classes. So I have free classes. I'm like, Hey, sign up and I'll give you access to one of my free courses. So it's, if you offer some value, if you like maybe get an ebook, if you're an e-commerce website, you could get like a discount, which is easy. Just give them a discount code for first time purchases. And that's one that's easy enough for e-commerce, you don't have to create an ebook or class or anything like that. So that stuff, but just get creative and get, look at your competition, see what they're doing, get ideas from your competitors and see what's working and incorporate that into your own website if possible. How are you marketing your own business today, Brandon? Through SEO and through 
well, making sure I rank my own website for my keywords and I teach classes is another way to get my name out there and blogging on other people's websites, doing podcasts and just having my own YouTube channel and just trying to offer value as much as possible. Okay. Are you, so are you using social media as well to push the business? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Doing social, doing email marketing and yeah, trying to diversify. You don't, I'll just put all your eggs in one basket, but social, it's a little different. So like for service-based businesses, like how many people are going on Instagram looking for like a dentist yeah. or a plumber or an SEO company? Some people might, but most people really aren't going to social looking for services, but they'll search for me. They'll find me on Google or Yelp, and then they'll check me out on social for social proof. Make sure I'm a real business. I'm legitimate, credible, have reviews, have status updates, things like that. So sometimes I'll get clients off social, but most of mine will usually come from Google or Yelp or some type of directory like that. Awesome. Brandon, if our audience has any questions for you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, so I actually create a special gift for everybody if they go to my website at seooptimizers.com. That's SEO. O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. They can find that there along with my contact information and a bunch of classes I've done over the years. I've thrown up for free so they can watch those and see step-by-step how to do a lot of stuff that we talked about. And also if they want to book some time on my calendar there, I'm happy to check out their website from an SEO point of view and give them some feedback and see what's working, what's not working, and they can book some time for free there as well. Sweet. Go on over to SEO Optimizers and get your mystery gift. <laughs> awesome. Brandon, we end every episode with the same question. That question is this. If you could choose one person dead or alive to represent SEO Optimizers, who would it be and why? That would be tricky. Never thought about that question. I would say maybe someone that's really knowledgeable, like Matt Tetz, was someone that was like the face of Google of SEO and stuff like that for years. He's not, maybe now John Mueller is the new one replacing him. So someone like that would be a good spokesperson to build up a lot of trust and credibility since they have that insider knowledge from Google and that's who your community trusts them and knows who they are. And those would be some, some of the more important people that I think would have a bigger impact. Awesome. Brendan, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. Real quick, guys, if you are active on Instagram or TikTok, I encourage you to go on over and give my personal profile a follow at jhuntofficial, J-A-Y-H-U-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Over there on Instagram and TikTok, I'm posting my favorite highlights from the Merged Marketing Podcast, along with some of the highlights from my speaking engagements uh, overseas as well as locally. Ton of value. Go on over and check it out at jhuntofficial. I'd like to thank you for listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast, and I invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Merged Marketing Podcast. One of the best ways to do that is to add us to your Instagram at Merged Media, M-E-R-G-E-D-M-E-D-I-A. Go on over there, give Merged Media a follow and subscribe and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.